Nowadays, it's kind of obligation from regulations, from venture funds, exchanges, launch pads. Like everyone understands that money is at risk, uh, reputation is at risk, and you know the consequences of cyber attacks are insane. This week on Today at Ember, Jason and myself welcome Yev. She is a cybersecurity expert, the CEO of Hack and Proof, and the co-founder of Hacken.io. Yev, being from Ukraine. We discuss the geopolitical conflict, how that affects her business, and what that means for cybersecurity. Jason and I also discuss our partnership with her and Hacken and what that means for the Ember organization. We talk about the importance of crypto in an environment like this and a wide variety of fascinating subjects. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Today at Ember, its hosts, Rob Velossi and Jason Dominique, and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now onto the show. Hello, hello. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Today at Ember. I am your host, Rob Velazzi, along with my co-host and CEO of the Ember Project, Jason Dominique. Jason, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great, Rob. Still can't get enough of that introduction. Oh, I know. I love that. The, the music and everything. <laughs> I came out to it on my on my own time. <laughs> it's It sets the mood. And uh, yeah, I, um, I'm super excited about this show because... This is obviously the uh, first of many, but um, I'll let you do the introductions. Yeah, absolutely. The great thing too about season two for Today at Ember is that we're bringing inside some really special guests. This is the first of many. Today, our guest is the co-founder of Hacken and the CEO of Hacken Proof. She has been a cybersecurity professional. She's responsible for managing a huge community of white hat hackers, over 10,000 working on detecting vulnerabilities in client systems. She's organized a number of industry conferences and communities for security specialists and enthusiasts. Her list of cooperating clients with Hack and Proof include famous brands such as CoinGecko, Gate.io, FTX, which here in Miami, we actually have the FTX Arena here, so I'm pretty proud of that as well. Avalanche and VeChain, as well as some government entities as well. I'd like to introduce our first guest here on our, our season from outside of our organization. Yev, how are you doing, Yev? Hey, doing great. How about you guys? Yeah, doing fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here today. Looking for our conversation. (laughs) Awesome. Let me just touch base on the first thing is obviously right now you guys have been at the Avalanche Summit, right? Yeah, just uh, arrived a couple of days after that. Excellent. Yeah, how, how did that go? Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, the whole week of super cool events, super meaningful conversations and yeah, like it was super good. A lot of stuff, hackathons, workshops, conference, side events. Next week is Bitcoin 2022. And I know I'm going to be meeting up with one of your colleagues over there during the conference. Uh, will you be attending as well? Uh, not this time. <laughs> no, I uh, my, my US visa was rejected so just two days ago. So oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they're just rejecting that for every Ukrainian these days. But yeah, that's unfortunate. But my colleagues uh, will, will be there. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I look forward to meeting with him as well. So next week is going to be jam packed solid. So I'm sorry you can't possibly make it. 
And uh, speaking of Ukraine, you know, we're going to go over quite a few range of, of subjects here as well. It's a great segue. One of the things that I've been really interesting is one of these, a lot of people are talking of this groundbreaking project of 2022 is Disbalancer, which is really the pretty much what's going to be one of the most powerful DDoS attacks pretty much this year or maybe of all time, especially when it comes to, and you, are, you guys' organization is from Ukraine. And now you guys are in Portugal or Spain, is that now? Yeah, somewhere in between. <laughs> Without doxing your location. <laughs> Disclosed location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you want to talk at all and kind of bring some insight too? I know you guys, you know, what's going on with Ukraine and how hacking is involved in, in, in this disbalancer and what that means for your organization? Yeah, just quick background. That's like mainly our core team is uh, from Ukraine and from where our, our office is in Kiev. And uh, one week prior to the war, we decided to move a team for some time before everything could be less risky to, you know, to not stop operations and to follow our obligations. And um, what happened? Um, we decided to help us as far as we can with our knowledge in cybersecurity. And uh, within uh, Hacking, we have several initiatives which helps Ukraine in this not only actual war, but cyber war. So what we do, we're definitely one of the projects is Disbalancer. So prior to that, it was the uh, project which uh, helps to, you know, uh, block phishing websites of crypto projects. So initial initial idea was like that, but we decided to qualify that for purposes that's needed no more to fight with Russian propaganda that uh, we see all over the resources they have. That's why uh, one of the teams like this balancer, they are working on blocking that. So the idea is... Uh, which is straightforward. Everyone who wants to help, they can do that just installing the application and helping to block these websites. So we have, I guess, around 100K uh, downloads for this application. So people all over the world uh, can just contribute just with that, just with their computer to help with that. So every time we have updated resources so that, uh, uh, that we are blocking. Also, uh, one of the initiatives in Ukraine, we have like IT army, they call it like that, official one. Uh, so uh, it's around uh, 300K users there. Holy moly. Yeah. 300K, that's 300,000. Yeah, it's just, just you know, Telegram channel. Telegram yeah. channel where they do all this. Yeah. So pretty successfully coordinating all the cyber initiatives there. Awesome. So like every IT specialist, not even IT, they are helping in the manner they can. That's amazing. I mean, the next question that sort of pops in my mind is going back, you know, a couple of years ago when you met your co-founder, would you have thought in a million years that you'd be involved or would like in, involved in cyber war and things like that? And in, even in your own country, uh, amongst other things, you know, it could have been, you know, mandated to, you know, participate and consult and, in other areas of, of the world, but it had to fall somehow without saying that it was going to happen, but like, probably not. Of course not. I guess no one expected <laughs> that. Yeah. Like even us till the last moment, we can't believe it can be possible. That's why we have, you know, our stuff just for two weeks, just for some time when everything is uh, is good, but in fact, uh, we don't know when we are going to be back. Hope yeah. it will be soon. Yes, definitely. When we're starting Hacken, um, we 
didn't even expect that we would be where we are now. Because for the last five years, when we're starting back in 2017, nobody knew actually that this fear would be like that, of course. Because uh, I guess cybersecurity at that time was, you know, some nice feature to have rather than ju just obligation you should do while you're launching any project. Now, just in comparison to uh, like our first client was, in, I guess, somewhere in January 2018. Yeah, we helped with securing the ICO at that time. And uh, yeah, not that, that many companies uh, thought about security at all. But nowadays, it's kind of obligation from regulations, from venture funds, exchanges, launch pads. Like everyone understands that they, like money is at risk, uh, reputation is at risk. And, you know, the consequences of cyber attacks are insane. Just like two days ago, this Ronin stuff, like six... Is it Ronin? Uh, yeah, 600 million. Yeah, the, the the biggest hack actually by by yeah. wrecked, wrecked leaderboard. Well, I mean, with the attention they've been getting in terms of you know, for anyone looking uh, from the outside in, and you compare the activity and the volume that you know, obviously Axis has been generating on on that chain is just mind bending, like literally mind bending. The volume is when you look at. The quantity versus even the the next biggest one, it's like literally it just blows it out of the water. So obviously, you know, if you're in a position where, you know, you run a chain like Ronin, you got to absolutely plan for the worst. Like it's it has to be your top priority. But looking at your shoulders going up like this, it sounds like maybe they weren't planning for the worst. Uh, <laughs> they were just surfing on that beautiful wave of uh, crazy volume. But I'd be curious. I mean, I'm not extremely familiar with, with that situation. But if you you know want to give our community and, and maybe ourself a quick kind of go through on, on what's, what's going on over there. Yeah. Honestly, I guess the investigation is still ongoing. So no facts and results that we can discuss. But definitely such projects are, you know, at attention of cyber criminals and definitely cybersecurity should be one of the top priorities to minimize risks to your investors and like every user. I think it's crazy the fact that they're getting so much volume to begin with on. If you look at that chain, I mean, it is so obtuse on how to actually use it and work within that chain itself. I don't think that they ever were actually, you know, the user experience is out the window. I highly doubt they ever expected to have that much volume moving through it. So I'm assuming that cybersecurity and security in general was not at the forefront of, of their development. <laughs> you know, like from our experience working with hundreds of clients, there is two types of them. Not, I would say three. So first one is coming to security because they're like wise enough. They are planning uh, their development architecture in advance like you guys doing doing oh, security well, prior to that <laughs> yeah so because you understand that it's like business risk not just feature that nice to have second one is someone like Ronin when go to security when something happens more on a, on a reactive rather than a proactive yes and third one is regarding when it's required by regulations venture funds or someone else mm, so someone yeah. pushes them to do that. Yeah. So that's that's our observation how that works. And honestly, from our experience, it's more more cool to work with the projects like yours because 
you understand the value of that. We shouldn't, you know, pursue you that it's important. And it's good to have like smart conversations with smart, smart people. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, so with that in mind, and obviously, thank you for, I mean, so so for those who, who weren't aware, so our relationship, uh, you know, in terms of we're pretty much, you know, it all began as us as a client and seeking, obviously, you know, audit from your organization on the Hacken side. And so we had those three smart contract when we launched our token, we had the crowd sale, we had the vault, and we had obviously the token itself. And I don't know if, if you remember, we were quite relentless on making sure that we were getting like these like top, top, I think it's like four star or something like that. And we just kept coming back and et cetera. And I think this is what you're trying to get to is, you know, working and we experienced this with other partners in other areas of business. And it's the fact that once you connect on areas where, you know, your, your partners have at heart what you're doing at the highest, most priority, then it becomes much easier, you know, to understand each other. And at this moment, this is sort of where we, we thought, you know, going into our second sort of uh, stage of what we're building, which is right now it's called checkout, but there's a lot of more coming out in, in the background. We thought that who wouldn't be better than Hacken? So, you know, we reached out and you were kind enough to listen to us and then to realize, you know, that what we're trying to address on multiple fronts beyond making it, you know, because checkout has, you know, one of the core pillars of checkout is to make uh, web three sort of projects and the ecosystem as a whole more accessible. But I think that beyond that is, you know, because we all know that this space starts with a couple strike, you know, in the sense that, a lot of people see this as sort of a wild west and you know it's you go in there at your own risk and we think that this should not be the way you look at the space you know we think that trust and security should be at the forefront just like when web2 started to introduce credit card payment online you know these payment gateways and you had these providers, you know, these people that would do the transaction, and then you had the layer on top and obviously around and, and et cetera, that would sort of audit, quote unquote, the actual infrastructure of that payment gateway. And I think that this is where we feel that together, you know, Ember and Hacken, we can bring something to the space that could truly, you know, change the perception of these gateways. But obviously people know a lot about our perspective on this initiative, but I'd be curious, you know, and our community is obviously very interested in how do you perceive the current state of Web3 and, you know, this obviously the checkout, but beyond that, there's this sense of, like you're mentioning, security should be, and trust should be at the forefront. But your thoughts on currently what's happening, and I know that you know there's your role as auditing contracts and proofing 
a lot of things that eventually, I don't know if, you know, eventually or not, but there's a lot of, and I don't want to use the word rug pool and things like that, but there, there's a lot of ill intent in the space. And it must be so hard. I f- like the sort of responsibility that rests on your shoulder as a team, because it's your name that's out there. Uh, so I, I, I'd be very curious to to know your thoughts on, and I apologize, there's a thousand questions in there, but you address them at your own sort of pace and rhythm. That's that's a pretty cool topic, honestly. And I just want to tell you one story. Uh, one of the KYC providers for like doxing teams, they told me yesterday that they had a case when team hired actors to pass the KYC. <laughs> And uh, so they, they uh, like were having a call and they just showed the office, showed the table, like not table, the name out of the office and all this stuff. And uh, after that team, uh, like, of course, scammed. And in fact, they realized later that it was just actors with their passports. And uh, yeah, that was like European country, European uh, citizen. And they, they were like a legal case. But uh, then uh, they told that there is no enough um, proofs, and that's all. You know, that's about QIC, security, and other stuff. You you can't be sure for one hundred percent. But honestly, for what we are doing as well, we are trying to bring more transparency to this industry, not only by audits and smart contract audits, like penetration testing, bug bounty, whatever we are doing. Also, we have um, you know, like security rating products which is part of CoinGecko, for example. And the idea behind is that we are trying to make that more transparent for users to understand which steps uh, projects uh, take in order to, you know, to do something in terms of security. So when we started this project two or three years ago, they were like, I know, almost nothing uh, for exchanges. Uh, after that, uh, recently we had results that it's doubled in terms of penetration testing projects that like exchanges are doing in terms of bug bounties they are launching. So in fact, they are doing something to be more secure. And for example, even the initiative of CoinGecko, so they have trust score. And trust score, part of that is cybersecurity. And I guess, you know, this kind of verified trust score marks is really important to the industry because for newcomers during all this adoption, it's really important to understand whom I can trust which projects I can use, you know, without that much risk. And some kind of ratings and proof marks, definitely something that can be done to help them. Because for sure, like for newcomers, it's super difficult to go deeper. And I really like about what you're doing because this is like trust mark or like secured or whatever. So it shows users, you know, another layer of trust to your project that you've tried to do everything possible to minimize risks. And here's like our measures that we've done and here's how it helps our security. And uh, it's pretty transparent. And what I like about all the Web3 industry that, you know, every code is like open source. You can check it because if you're comparing, for example, like smart contracts and like Web3 finance to banks and when hack happens uh, in uh, like Web3 or in bank, in bank you would like not sure when you would know about that. But in crypto, you probably won't. It's not very, very wise to share that it happens. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. 
And like uh, financial systems are getting more open, more transparent, and it's pretty cool because the situation in banks and banks and bank security and like Web3 security is totally different worlds. Especially, uh, for example, we can see that even from bug bounties, because traditional Web2 bug bounties, I know the maximum is like 100k from companies like Samsung or Apple or others. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have different like um, payments for zero days, but it's another story. But in crypto, you can see it's like three million dollars easily, three million and one hundred k in Web two. It's insane, and that's why I like this industry. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a lot more opportunity. It's pretty like transparent and moving that rapidly that you can't even you know every day you have something new, and you should yeah. be like following that. You have to be on the ball all the time. Yes. I actually have a follow-up to that as well, is that do you think that because of how the traditional banking system and finance is so opaque and how that they, you know, you're not really sure what's happening a lot in these organizations, especially when it comes to security. Do you think what's happening in the DeFi sector and, and, and that our sector in general is having some influence on traditional banking systems of them being a little more opaque or are they still going to be stuck in their ways and fighting us tooth and nail? That's an interesting question. I don't have such data, but we see that more enterprises and traditional businesses starting doing some innovations in blockchain. So they understand that they are like out of this game already and we're like trying to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they definitely need to do something. But if it influences security, mm, I don't know. Not sure. (laughs) They're trying to be on this trend, but. And if you have some cases, you can share like some successful cases of banks, probably in, in US. No, I was just wondering too, because actually it's actually a discussion because there's a lot of, I guess, you know, I don't know if it's the boomer generation or what it may be, where I see a lot of people that are, have no idea what the sector is. They think of it as like invisible internet money that, you know, it's totally over their head. And I know one of their big things is about the level of, you know, they try to say how about traditional banking, at least it's banked by some actual security and that there's, you know, a, you know, some backed by the US government, FDIC, and it, how that crypto is so bad for the environment. And they go through these kind of long form discussions. But in reality, I think it's actually inverse of that. You know, people don't realize the impact that traditional banking does have on the environment when it comes to their level of security. I mean, there was a couple years back here, maybe I guess now it's going five, six years, was that whole Wells Fargo thing where they just signed up everyone for a credit card without their knowledge. Um, they, you know, the SEC hit them with a hundred thousand, you know, a hundred million dollar fine, but they made three billion dollars doing it. So it's the cost of business. So I think that they are kind of re- doing everything possible to as a smear campaign to, you know, because this is a real threat to traditional finance. You know what? What I can say that the traditional world is trying to regulate crypto, and it's uh, another push to security actually because. To obtain a license, exchange exchanges needs to to go through some security audit, and it's good because it's you know another push for crypto to be more secure, uh, in order to get this official licenses. And I guess it's pretty good. So, but I don't know how crypto influence uh, traditional sector. That's interesting, especially in terms of security. Yeah, this is something I, that that just popped in my mind, and I'd be curious to uh, hear your thoughts on. 
Because earlier you mentioned the whole KYC thing, and we're hearing that sort of the next step in KYC is on-chain in the sense that it would follow you, at least the initial KYC that you would have done, rather than having to do a KYC process every single time you, let's say, enter a new sort of dApp or a new uh, exchange or something like that. And it'd be sort of something that you do once with, I don't know which provider, but you do it once. It'd be linked with potentially your wallet address, I would imagine. And as soon as you connect via Web3, it KYCs you as you go in, wherever you go, whatever you interact with. So first and foremost, I imagine you've heard of this. And is there any thought on, would it be any different other than the fact that it would remove friction, but the security of it, what's like, would there be any difference? That's actually great, great idea. And uh, I'm pretty sure there are already some pilots on that. Uh, if we are comparing that to a traditional industry, when you have this uh, like EID that you can use to log in for bank accounts, for government services, for whatever, actually, in fact, it's the same. So you have your electronic ID, let's say, verified one, and you use this everywhere you need. I don't know uh, how it works in US, but so, for example, in Ukraine, we have this EID and you can access all the government services, all the banks, sign the documents. Why not the same in crypto? Yeah, North America is not as advanced as yeah, sometimes yeah, I was just we gonna would. Say, we, have, we, have nothing, we have nothing like that at all whatsoever. <laughs> I think it's still hard to get a driver's license sometime, you know, when you go to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this classic <laughs> joke on, on uh, what's the department called? The DMV. The yeah, DMV. the DMV. Yeah, it's always a joke because the DMV is literally the bane of everyone's existence. If you lose your ID, it's like, ah, uh, you might as well just restart your whole life and get a new identity <laughs> at that point. It'd be much easier. Yeah. So yeah, very far from that EID thing, I think. <laughs> you know, like uh, we recently, so I have everything on my phone. We have an application which is called DIA. It's government application where you have uh, like all like driver licenses, all your passports. As far as we have internal Ukrainian passport and foreign passport, also uh, it could be different uh, like tax documents as well as we have there our vaccination. Like it's my digital ID, let's say government one, official one that I can use actually everywhere. Especially like uh, traveling across Europe, I just open this application with this um, COVID certificate, and that's all. And I can use this application to get whatever I can in terms of government. For example, when COVID started, this application helped to track whether you're doing isolation or not. So they are doing good steps on that. And the same in crypto. So you don't need to, you know, to go through QIC at different exchanges multiple times. I'm pretty sure everyone has troubles with that. Oh, yeah. It's horrible for like getting into the space, you know, and just doing one, like you want to enter a new um, like chain or ecosystem or something like that. And there's so much friction. And I think that we're at a stage right now, and this is where we feel is the biggest opportunity, at least on uh, from our perspective, is to make all of that friction go away. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely, I think, something we're looking into for sure, because this process of onboarding, you know, new people, because right now it's this big 
sort of echo chamber of people that are used to DEXs and that are used to all these type of things. But as soon as you want to bring someone new in, into the ecosystem or the crypto space, then it becomes like 25 different how-to guides. And it's like, like it's, it's just never ending. And ultimately, it's not fun. Like, where's the fun in being part of this unless you're an enthusiast, like unless this interests you. But ultimately, it's like going back to like, I'd like to have a visa card, but I don't want to know how a visa card works like that. That doesn't like interest me at all. I just want to apply, get it and go wherever I want to go in the world and tap and it's done. Like, I don't care how you make it happen, but just do make it happen and make sure that it works every time. So this is sort of the mentality that we're trying to bring into the service we provide and making sure that everything that when you look from the outside in, that makes no sense, we want to remove it. And part of that is obviously, you know, beginning with, with checkout and then uh, helping people get into and acquiring what they want seamlessly. But yeah, I think Web3 is right now all about user experience. But beyond this, beyond us, I'd like to go back to hacking and hacking proof and try to understand. And maybe you can give us if there wouldn't have been this massive bump in the road right now, sort of what's next for hacking? You know, where do you see uh, hacking proof and hacking? Obviously, you're more involved with hack and proof, but you're still doing a lot of business sort of initiating and dealing with business in regards to hacking. But, you know, where do you see you guys, you know, in the next three to five years? And what, what are going to be the biggest themes you think that you're going to focus on? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, definitely, uh, we, we've, we've got a lot of experience on our way to this point. And, uh, that's uh, where we are playing next. So definitely it, it would be like uh, going more on auditing, on providing trust to the users and be working on different products around that, like, like QICs, audits, penetration testing, bug bounty, whatever. So we want to be a trust provider. Like, you know, someone like, for example, like Big Four, they have their uh, report, consulting report saying this project is blah, 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 blah. Here is our sign and we ensure that that's something what we are planning to build in Web3 and definitely the building trust because as you mentioned, every time it's our name. So in fact, uh, for a lot of users, it's just sign to invest. Not sure if it's good. So they require from us actually be more than just a cybersecurity audit, more than just audit of single smart contract. Yeah, because what you've just mentioned, I think, is and in our process of seeking a partner for audit, and maybe you'll want to comment on this or not, but what we found is that like there is such a massive opportunity to not care if you're an auditing company and just milk it and just truly milk it. We see that a lot too with a lot of these other these other projects that turn out to be I hate to use the word rug pool where they put out these audits that are really not an audit. I mean it's just they're just taking their money and they're giving a seal of approval. It's like a, it's like a one sheet of, of 
what's the one that we saw was like cupcake audit yeah, or... yeah something <laughs> so, so ridiculous but then but the worst part is people in the space were like yes it's been audited see it's legitimate it's been audited and you read the audit and it's like word for word a marketing document it's like <laughs> yeah. word for word the pitch like the pain to sell the token not to even there's like no actual you know third party and beyond that and this is where i'll, I'll let you uh you know comment or not but Beyond that, the like, I think ultimately it comes down to the innocence of the investor in the sense that not that he's stupid, it's just that, like, how can they know better in the sense that they've never really potentially saw like an audit? They're so motivated by greed. They're so like all of these, it's the perfect oh, wow. storm for ill intent and just like, obviously, hopefully in the next year or two, there's going to be a lot of cleanup and, you know, uh, people will start noticing what is real and not real and et cetera. But like you're mentioning, you know, putting your name out there and truly being a brand that equals trust, to be frank, when you gave us some like some of your early feedback in our audit, we thought like seriously, like these little things. Okay, we'll 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 get them done and we'll uniformize. You know our our sort of how we wrote. We will put it on standard and all those sorts of things. But I have to admit, like the level of you know how rigorous your team is beyond what I've imagined. But this is props to you. But is there a comment you want to say about your space of auditing in the current state of crypto right now? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, definitely, you know, the level of standards for some auditing security firms, they don't care. They work with everyone. They don't do QIC. They have no responsibilities. So probably they don't care that much about their name because they just do their job. I don't know how good they do, but they do. And definitely there should be some ranking of auditors, like some tires, uh, based on the trust they are providing, based on who they are, with whom they work, what they are building, how they are contributing to like to ecosystem at all. Because the problem with audits these days that for, for guys are like consensus or open Zeppelin, it's super difficult even to speak with them because they are super overwhelmed and I don't know. When would be like next audit, next year or something, next spot for that? That's why, but you know, just imagine there are like around three, like let's say three auditors in the market and the amount of projects that need audits. It's mind bending. No comments on that. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's also too, is what Jason was getting to also when it comes to Web3, when it comes to going from Web2 and why we're working with you when it comes to checkout is standardization that there's never really been you know there's no level of standards in this space at all whatsoever and i think that's something that ember's trying to do and i think that's why we like working with you as a partner and i think that's why you know as jason was just alluding to when we were first working with you about the minutia of the details that you guys were so focused on and we when we set it back to our silly developer where they're like really like these small things and they're like yeah that's that's what they're they want to have done to be able to get their highest ranking and so we were able to go through that process um, so there's a little bit of delay. Some of our some of our early investors were like, "When's this audit coming out?" Of course, but I think what's what's good is that you guys are setting a standard 
And what we want to do is the same when it comes to Ember Checkout and bringing on projects. And that's what we're using you guys is, like I said, the trust verified by Hacken to have this standardization across the board that hopefully you know, catches on. That where you know, there's a level of security there because as Jason was saying also earlier, that there's so many hurdles to be able to get into this space initially. But one of the biggest ones is just trust. Because when people look at the space in general, you know, they, they hear a lot about scams that are going on and the, the level of entry to get into it on top of also that level of distrust, it scares away you know, potential investors that could benefit from a lot of these projects. Yeah, I just want to add that's um, definitely having you know, some standardization and methodology, how all that works, definitely helping industry. So how we're contributing here, we have our own methodology, how it works. It's open. Everyone can see what we are checking, what like what input should we uh, get from the customer, what output they get, and also uh, as a part of uh, Ethereum um, Enterprise Alliance, we are working also on some standardization of this trust uh, for smart contracts, and definitely some kind of regulations on that needed in order to you know to be able somehow to measure that and to understand whether should I invest in this project or not. Because in fact, this kind of, you know, trust report, not just my contract, but in future I see it's like a trust mark that this project audited, not once, by like three different providers, whatever. They do penetration testing, they have ongoing bug bounty program, they are responsive, they take care about security. So this is like building blocks you should do in order to get this trust and to prove this uh, like along the time. Yeah. I just want to add this because I think this is probably something you're not aware yet because we haven't sort of begun the whole auditing of checkout uh, because we're still finalizing some things. We're about to release our own router. And beyond that, I just wanted to get your um, opinion and feedback on this thing that James, our CTO, has put in place. And I thought, you know, that's really, truly amazing is every time someone, a potential investor loads up, goes on a website or something of a project and the the embed or whichever way it's a pop-up or a, a full page, as soon as it's loaded, the actual checkout does a list of automatic check live every time it loads. Things like does it have sufficient amount of liquidity? Is the liquidity locked? So that's beyond the snapshot that your team has done many months ago or many years ago, where we feel that checkout will be able to protect at some level the end user or the end consumer like live constantly. And if for whatever reason, when it loads that checkout interface, and there's something in there that it doesn't comply with in regards to how we perceive should be the minimum standard of operating such token in regards to uh, security and uh, et cetera and trust, then it's just going to be inoperable. You will not be able to interact on it. And if you want to interact on it, then you're going to have to go in the wild west of a DAX and and, and buy it, copy it, like the old days. We'd like to think, you know, that'd be the old days. You have to go around the mechanism of security and all those sorts of things. But this is the type of joint effort that we want to do in combination, obviously, with the, the proofed trust score 
But we'd like to complement this with obviously your your help of what should we be checking. And we're introducing also KYT. So on the other end, we want to, yes, there's the project side, like to protect the actual potential investor, but also when someone connects their wallet, we're going to be doing some form of seamless in the background KYT with one of our other partners and to protect the project. Because we know as project leaders and the project leaders that we're going to be helping with these tools that we're also under scrutiny of who purchases our assets, who's interacting with our smart contract. And sometimes whether it's investors or partners or whatever, we want to make sure that whoever gets involved is someone with good intent or someone that doesn't have this past of collaborating or interacting with potential ill-intended people. So I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on these type of measures on the, like the front-facing sort of way of interacting with checkout. Yeah, definitely uh, sounds like preventive measures, actually. So doing everything possible in background in order to prevent some potential risks and issues that might be. Definitely that sounds like really wise idea and um yeah we, we should think about well, how to com- how to create this list and and, and really look at what, what is yeah be. best practices yeah. because as much as we want to put this list together we've thought of like the quantitative elements and things like that but i think there's things that are beyond the scope of what we we can think but also without you know eliminating bunch of potential projects and, and investors keeping it you know safe but secure at, at a reasonable level but um yeah this is super exciting and for us this is why we do what we do so uh, should we schedule a call next week to yeah for sure <laughs> brainstorm on that <laughs> absolutely I do also too have a question for you as well, which I'm sure a lot of people are thinking when it comes to an audit and when it comes to security, is that on your guys' side, because you know a level of security and if a contract is secure is not much to do with the people that are running the actual project when it comes to whether their behavior is nefarious or not. They might go through you know all of you know these standardization when it comes to the smart contracts, so it's not you know hackable. You know we're coming to um, preventable measures on that end. But how do you guys balance between auditing a project when it comes to the level of security of it and the actual individuals that you're working with? That way, that if for some reason they do you know have some kind of nefarious behavior, that your name's not dragged in the mud along with it. So definitely we have clients' acceptance procedures that we go through. So we don't work with every project. We have internal due diligence that we do and uh, checking different parameters, including who they are, who is backing them, what their track of record and other stuff. Definitely is the kind of background check we do and uh, don't work with every project because that's too many of them. And uh, the quality of them, not every time good and not every time we just want to be associated somehow with them. Yeah, I think also that was why we decided to use you guys when it came to why we picked you as an, as an auditor is because you know, one of the hurdles that we had to get over was you know, having trust. 
people having trust in us and being able to, as, as Jason was alluding to, was that, I don't know, Cupcake Audit or whatever, whatever that you know, other audit, auditing company was in the past that he was referring to from a different project, that we wanted to use someone that not only shows the level of security that we have with our smart contracts, but also, too, that we're working with an organization that wouldn't work with someone without doing the due diligence on their background as well. Jason, uh, I know we're running out of time here a little bit here. We've got about 10 more minutes left. Do you want to add any other questions uh, to, to her? And as well, I'd like to ask, because we are live, I'm seeing all of the chats here across board. If anyone here has any questions to ask any of us, or we have Yev on here, she's very usually difficult to get a hold of from the general community to, be, to have this level of access from you know the general Amber community. So if you guys have any questions, please ask away. Jason, do you want to ask anything in the meantime while I see if we have anything from the community? No, no. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, this conversation has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it took, you know, some time to, some time to organize because there's, you know, things that are out of our uh, control, obviously. So as you know, we're also trying to, you know, with checkout, with disbalancer, we're also trying to make, because you've, you've mentioned that people can collaborate and, and, and help in this collaborative sort of a effort uh, by downloading the thing. But there's also, maybe we can touch on, there's a ways of supporting also the project. And on our end, obviously, we, we saw the actual process of purchasing their token that they decided to launch, uh, which I think the ticker is DDoS. And for them to adopt checkout would obviously make the token way more accessible and easier to purchase. But I think there's also a relationship between your token and theirs. And is this something you're quite familiar with and that you could, because obviously Hacken has their own token as well. And there's ways of that the two collaborate or have an impact on each other. Yeah, definitely. And this balancer is a separate project. And, uh, but it, it was like under our kind of cybersecurity accelerator. It's like a spin-off. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. And so uh, with Hacken, you can do like DDoS farming and other stuff in our community application. So what else we do for community in terms of security? It's also like secure wallets, VPNs, password managers, and some educational programs that you can get at our Hacken AI product. And like DDoS also is there that you can farm it. Excellent, excellent. I'm looking at the community here as well. And I, one of the things, especially too, to kind of bring it back home, since you are from Ukraine and this the situation has impacted you personally and your organization, what, and especially now with stuff like sanctions and we have a lot of, uh, from a lot of the Western powers trying to be involved, but not really and trying to walk this line. What are your thoughts when it comes to, especially with these geopolitical issues that are not only in Ukraine and Russia, but also around the world, and the impact and the importance of cryptocurrency and to have a level of decentralization. Because I understand, you know, on both sides, whether it's Russia or Ukraine, that without cryptocurrency, you know, there would be pretty much assets that it would be hard to function financially. Yeah, so definitely the impact in crypto is really huge, especially, for example, when we are having different donations in crypto all over the world in different chains. For example, VeChain, they have their own fund helping Ukraine. There are a lot of NFT artists that like uh, gathering these donations to help. So uh, in fact, crypto now is the message how to get support from everywhere, from every community. And yeah, it's pretty cool. And also what we see that a lot of projects are kind of 
supporting supporting Ukraine and do some you know sanctions uh, regarding like Russian citizens, Russian uh, projects, which I know is it about centralization or decentralization, but. Uh, no, absolutely. Because especially too, it's unfortunate. And this is why, you know, my heart goes out to everyone in Ukraine and also too for the population of Russia. That didn't necessarily ask for have, it. Yeah, you know. they didn't have anything to do with this at all whatsoever, whether they supported it or not, are still being highly impacted, you know, because, you know, the oligarchs and people like, you know, Putin, they're not affected by, they'll be totally fine when it comes to these sanctions. It's, it's the normal everyday citizen that's having to bear the brunt of all of this. I won't comment on that regarding like everyday citizen. Just uh, prefer to skip this question. (laughs) (laughs) No, understandable. Absolutely. So listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're not getting any more questions from the community, but we know they've been really, as we're looking at here, they're really excited that you would be able to come on and have this discussion. You know, we value you as a partner, especially moving forward when it comes to checkout. Um, I think it's funny that we're on live air where, where, where as Jason was mentioning what's going on with our router, what we're doing with checkout. You guys are like, hey, we need to have a conversation later how to how to implement all of this together on the preventative measures yeah. also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was a pleasure to, to have uh, this conversation, a lot of topics and interesting ideas afterwards. Definitely. Let's, let's think what we can do in terms of these background checks. <laughs> Preventive measures. All right. <laughs> Listen, well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Listen, uh, for everyone else that's out there, this is some of the interviews. This is one of many that we'll be bringing to you guys in the next coming of weeks. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to meeting your colleague next week at Bitcoin 2022. Anyone else that's going to be out there, hit me up, rob at amber.org or any of our socials. I'd love to meet up with you guys next week. Jason, would you like to add anything before we get out of here? Nope. Let's get out of here. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a great one, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Today at Ember. If you like the show, please rate and review. You can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms. You can also tune in to our live stream on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.